What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Story Worth Sharing podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Shepard. I'm joined today by the other host, the amazing, the wonderful, the lovely Emmy Rodriguez. How are you doing today? I'm still here. You're still here. <laughs> That's came, good. I'm glad that back. I can't really call myself a co-host if there's not someone co-hosting. So You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. So that's good. So big news. Oh, I mean, big news. Well, okay. big news for some people. Exciting news for some people. Okay. I guess it depends how much of a fan you are. But Disneyland has reopened. Yes, in California. And that's exciting, yes. I feel like. I've never been to Disneyland. Okay. Have you? I have. Okay. Is it? Just, have you been to Disney World? I, I have. Which is better, in your opinion, first? We went with another hot topic, but which is, I mean, is there, I, I don't know. Well, one's called Land and one's yes, called World. Yes, yes. Okay. Besides that, did you have a preference? Well, I was eight when I went to Disneyland and I was like 26 when I went to Disney World. So I think I probably just had an overall better experience at Disney World because okay. I was older and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I think Disney World is supposed to be better. It's just bigger, grander, whatever. Um, Disneyland yeah. is a little... It's still grand, but it's a little more Six Flags than okay. like Disney World okay. is really epic and whatever. Um, but Disneyland is cool. Yeah, it was well, super cool. Well, and I think what's really cool is they have a, the new Avengers part. At Disneyland? At Disneyland. Okay. I don't know if it's opened yet. I think it's opening this summer. Okay. But I've just been looking at really cool pictures. I actually wanted to show you. Sorry, you can't see it if you're, only li- if you're listening, but you should look it up because it looks dope. Dope. Yeah, I know. I don't use that word yeah, a lot, but I just felt like it was worthy. Look how cool this looks. Okay. That is not the Disneyland I remember. Right? That's impressive. That's like its own world. Avengers I Campus. I think that's so fun. So are yeah. you planning a trip to go to Disneyland? I mean, it's I haven't planned one, but I want to just for this. Just just for they that. They have like the, like whatever the headquarters, like they have an actual building that looks like that. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's like with like the ship and everything that they ride. And I'm like, that's so fun. But they have like different. Food places specific for that, and I I want to go, but I also don't want to go alone. So I have to make people go with me. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't think you'd have to make people go with you. People like you. You're right, but I have to convince them. Is it worth going? Yeah, but it's you like think? bring out the inner child. Leisha literally last night was telling me once again, I really want to go to Disney, and I'm like, have fun. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I would Chris. no, I would totally go. Our girls will love it. We will take them at some point. It's just. They're still at that age. They're just still at that age where it's like, man, do I really want to go do that? A couple more years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm all about it. When they're like, when they're like six and eight, I'm all about it. But at three and five, I'm like, "Eh." just start planning now. If you want to be able to afford it, you better start start planning planning now now for it, and then it'll be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to see if our guest has ever been to Disneyland or Disney World, and so let's go ahead and welcome in Sam Griffin. How's it going, Sam? Hey, what's up? It's going great. Good. Okay, so have you been to either Disneyland or Disney World? Actually, I've been to Disneyland. Okay. It was uh, 1991. Nice. Summer of 1991. That's a year after I went. I went okay. 1990. Okay. Yeah. I was 15 or 16 years old with a youth group from the okay. church, and I thought it was the lamest experience <laughs> ever. Why am I not surprised that, oh, that was so his funny. answer? So we literally found one of those little theaters that plays the old black and white Mickey Mouse yes, cartoons. Yeah, yeah. It was so hot outside. Me and my closest friends, we just kind of hung out in that theater, and I literally <laughs> remember laying down and falling asleep, and spent nice. a lot of the day asleep because it was an air conditioned theater. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So that's uh, that's your Disney experience. Would you want to go today with your I, kids? Yeah, I would love to. We've okay. been talking about it. Uh, haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I'd love to go back. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that bad. Listen, it, that's more a commentary on who I was <laughs> but our, as a 15-year-old than that's fair. what that's fair. Say, is. Yeah. Do, do you like the Avengers? Yeah, I'm actually working through the Avengers in order, like chronological oh. order, I guess, right now. Okay. Okay, yeah. Do you have a favorite? A um, hero? Not necessarily movie, but wow. a favorite. I, I like Ant-Man. Really, wow. I don't know. I don't know why. Did not see that <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> of every single option out it's, there in the Marvel universe, it's crazy. Yeah. I really right? like Ant Man. I don't feel like we need the podcast anymore. I feel like this just sums up who Sam is. Yep, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why the the movie was just more more entertaining. I think than any of the others. Yeah, I'll yeah. give you that. Right. Yeah, I'll give you that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today Absolutely. on Thanks the Story We're Sharing podcast and. Why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, et cetera? Sure. So, yeah, my name is Sam. I am the adult ministries director here at Brazos Fellowship. I've been here for five years, just wow. over five years. I know it seems like it just happened. Yeah. Right? 
um, were actually sitting in what was my office when I started here, which, yeah. is, which is kind of crazy. I'm married uh, to Stacy. We've been married. It'll be 20 years this summer. Nice. And we have two kiddos. Uh, Isabel is 15. She'll be driving in a couple of months. Ooh. Crazy, right? And Hayes is nine. Big time. Big yeah. time. Yeah. So do you think that um, if you went to Disneyland that Isabel would have the same feeling that you had when you were 15? No, probably not. She, <laughs> she might enjoy it. I think she would rather go to Disney World, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and she's really into Harry Potter. She'd love to go to uh, the, There you go. The yeah. Universal. Yeah. Universal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, good call. Well, I, you know, we love bringing people onto the podcast and having these conversations because really we're just trying to create a space for sharing stories. And Emmy and I, I remember having this conversation, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, and just talking about when we open up and when we start sharing our story is when we create connections with people that we didn't even know were possible or even know could exist. And it's having the courage to share our story. But sometimes we discount what that story is because we're like, ah, nothing major has happened to me. They never, they didn't make a Ant-Man movie about me or write a book about me or whatever, but it's in the, what a lot of people would deem the ordinary that God often does the most extraordinary stuff in our life. And so we just want to help unpack that a little bit and and tell a little bit of your story, Sam. And so when you think about some of that and you, especially when you think about just these moments, these, whether that was a season or it was a conversation or it was something that happened in your life, when you start thinking about these moments, what are some of those pivotal circumstances, some of those moments in your life where you're just like, man, this, this changed everything. Yeah. The first thing that I think about is like, I'm a work in progress, yeah. right? I mean, I am 45 years old and just now learning that my story isn't all I thought, you know, it was going to be. Mm. Um, as a matter of fact, when I first thought about, you know, when you asked me to be on the podcast, my first thought was my story is not that great, <laughs> right? Mm. Like yeah. I don't have a whole lot of uh, exciting things that have happened over yeah. the course of my life. But I'm learning that that the way that I view my story isn't necessarily the same way that God views my story. So good. And so really those circumstances have really kind of up until like right now shaped the way that I'm re-seeing my own story, I guess. Um, but I'm going to go all the way back. Like the very first thing that I really think of that was just transformative in my life mm-hmm. was uh, I was seven six or seven years old. It was the early 1980s and my parents divorced. And really like you think about, you know, that happens for a lot of people, way too many people, right? Their, their parents uh, split up and divorced, but geographically kind of changed the tra- trajectory of where we were heading. I was a military kid before that mm. and we moved around a lot. And all of a sudden we settled in a new town and spent the rest of my childhood there, which was awesome. Yeah. Right? But more than that, I've even, in the last few years, learned that that really shaped my view of God and being able to see God as a loving Father. Hmm. Um, that was one of those deals that, you know, as a kid, I could never, and even a young adult, I could never make myself think of God as a loving Father. Wow. Um, and so that's shifted the way that, really, I approach everything now, you know? But that's just been in the last few years. Which is so wild, because yeah. you said... You know, you're 45 now. Mm-hmm. So that happened when you were like six. Mm-hmm. And it's only been in the last couple of years that you've been able to unpack that and even shift your perspective of being able to see God in that way. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. I think I realized that maybe in my early 20s or late teens even. But honestly, I didn't want to be able to see God wow. that way for yeah. a long time. So it took a it took a change of a want to before it could, you know, really set in. So good. Yeah. It's been kind of a, a long journey there. I'm going to skip ahead 10 years later, so 1993 now. I have just graduated from high school. Um, and listen, my high school and middle school story is just it's, it's just insane compared to what I hear a lot of people talk about. Um, for whatever reason, like if I could pick a season of life to go back to, it would be eighth grade. Wow. Grade. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, 10th grade. I mean, I loved it. Wow. Life was oh awesome. And for whatever reason... Things just came easy to me. Um, so grades you know, came easy. I didn't really have to work very hard to make good grades. I was in a lot of extracurricular stuff. I had a lot of opportunities to kind of 
grow as a, as a leader, even with, with, you know, in that context of being in middle school and high school, Mm -hmm. um, athletically, I wasn't like a a superstar athlete, but I, I chose cross country and track as kind of my sport of choice. And I really, I mean, I tried, but I didn't have to try that hard to be successful. Yeah. And so, um, even musically, I know you guys don't think of me as a musician, but I played the cello for seven or eight years back then. And yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) And I was first chair cello from sixth grade through twelfth grade. That's wow. nobody, insane. Nobody ever, you know, took that chair from wow. me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and did you know the whole all state, all yeah. region, all that kind of stuff. When was the last time you played cello? It would be, uh, yeah, before I graduated high school. Oh wow! So the the spring of nineteen ninety three. That's crazy. Um, but everything just came easy. I loved that season of life. Everything was fun. I had great friends. I had a good, you know, a good job for being in school. Um, I had an awesome car. Yeah, it was a, that's I, what matters. It was a 1975 <laughs> Pontiac Firebird. Oh yeah. If anybody out there comes across one, I would love to have one again. I cannot believe I sold that car for five hundred dollars. Oh, oh wow. my gosh! Um, and to me, you know, that seemed like a, a small fortune at yeah, the time, sure. right? But yeah, life was just good. And then in the summer of 1993. I was just a kind of a freak accident. I chopped the end of my finger off, right? Mm. So it doesn't seem like a life-changing type of event, but I chopped the end of my finger off. And as a result of that, I ended up changing like my college plans. Hmm. Um, As a result of that, I ended up losing a lot of my scholarship money that I'd kind of earned over the last couple of years. And then kind of looking over the next few months after that, like I just had a miserable first year of college. I had a girlfriend that was one of the reasons I kind of chose the college I chose and we broke up right away and things just kind of changed. It was just really weird. And all of a sudden for so many years of, you know, being a teenager, life was so easy and fun and everything was just, you know, awesome. Yeah. All of a sudden now life is proving to be hard. Like things aren't coming easy anymore. I don't know what it was. Uh, I probably didn't realize it so much at the time, but that, that changed me in a sense. I ended up uh, after a couple of years, I ended up going to college at Wayland Baptist university, a little bitty college, about (laughs) 3000 total students. Wow on campus. I think they have multiple campuses around different places, but I was on the main campus, about 3000 students and spent, you know, I managed to cram four years of college into five and a half. Yes. Yeah. Best way to do it. Um, and just, you know, kind of had the normal college experience, I guess, for a small town, small school. In 1996, I realized something. It was October of 1996. I realized I knew a lot about God. I knew a lot about church, the Bible. I mean, you name it. I had grown up going to church. We had this thing when I was a kid called Bible Drill. Have y'all mm-hmm. heard of this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bible Drill. Why does that sound oh, familiar? Oh, Amy, you no. don't know Bible Drill? Oh, yeah. What is that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'll have to show you my uh, state championship Bible that I won. <laughs> uh, so Bible Drill, you learn um, like a lot of Bible verses. You learn where Bible stories are. You I learn I all this. the I never, books I mean, of the Bible. It. And then you go to competitions, like compete with other kids. So they name, you know, whatever story Mm -hmm. and you have 10 seconds to find that spot and put your finger on it in the Bible or whatever. Yeah. So I was a state champion, like three years running, (laughs) like in elementary school. Right. So I knew a lot. I know. Right. So good. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. (laughs) I'm telling you. That should be in like your email signature, like Bible drill, state champ three times. Right, yeah. With the years yeah. right beside it. Those formative years, I'm telling you, they were incredible. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I realized something. I knew a lot about God, but mm. I didn't have a personal relationship with God. Um, and so, yeah, I trusted Jesus really for the first time in the fall of 1996. Wow. Um, and I can't say, like, lots of things changed because my, you know, my lifestyle, my I was already on a trajectory to go into ministry. <laughs> mm. um, so... There wasn't a whole lot that changed mm. after that, but that happened. And then my senior year in college, 1998, <laughs> my second senior year. <laughs> um, Super senior. Yeah. For the first time in my life, I just decided for whatever reason to, I guess, rebel. Is that maybe the best yeah. way to put it? I, I don't know. I'd never just done stupid 
I mean, I'd done stupid things, but stupid and wrong, like immoral things, mm-hmm. you know? And so just made some really unwise decisions. As a matter of fact, I was just talking to, uh, to a guy a, few, a couple of weeks ago about this. And I realized in that conversation a couple of weeks ago that these decisions in this season of my life that happened, you know, so many years ago, like, I, I really feel like I lost who I was. Mm. And for whatever reason, it didn't last long. I mean, it was only maybe three months uh, before I had, a, I had a kind of a network of friends that really just kind of kicked my butt and said, yeah. hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and, and helped me kind of get my act together. But I really feel like I lost who I was. And I lost hope in myself more than anything. And that took me a long time to recover. I don't, I don't know that i fully recovered, honestly. Wow. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. Like I said, I'm, I'm a work in progress. Yeah. So um, that was kind of a crazy time in my life. But moving forward, I entered kind of full-time ministry. Uh, I was fired from a church job. <laughs> yeah. I've heard the story. <laughs> in, in 2006. Um, so what is that, 15 years ago? Yeah. Something like that. Um, and, and the first thing people assume is, so, you know, you had an affair with your secretary or you stole a bunch of money or something like that. It was nothing like that. Nothing unethical or immoral or unbiblical. It was just, it was just the wrong fit. Mm -hmm. My response to that circumstance, uh, and my wife's response for both of us together, we kind of realized a lot of the people that we've known over the course of, you know, our life together as a married couple that go to church are really not loving, kind people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people that we knew that didn't go to church were some of the kindest, sweetest, Mm. you know, most selfless people that we knew. And we just made a decision. Not only am I not going to work in a church anymore, we're not going to go to church anymore. Wow. And we, I guess maybe six months, maybe a year, we, we really were committed to that. And it was, uh, uh, for whatever reason, we decided to try a little church, I say a little church, a big church right down the street from our house um, at one point. I think really we wanted our daughter, we had a, Isabel, mm-hmm. was a year old at the time. We wanted her to grow up in church, and so we were like, let's give it a shot. And... God just gave us the opportunity to fall in love with being a part of the church again, like just being around his people. So beautiful. And what I learned really there was <laughs> I'm a messy, broken person, and the church is filled with messy, broken people. Mm-hmm. And messy, broken people do messy, broken right. things, right? It may not make a lot of sense. I mean, it didn't even make a lot of sense to me if I sit and think about it or even hear myself say it out loud. But just coming to that realization made me realize it's okay. You know, it's okay uh, that our experience in the past is okay. Those are broken people and we can't expect everybody. We can't expect anybody, I guess, to be Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's what I was hoping for in my life. Like everybody's supposed to just act churchy, right? And holy and kind and all those things all the time. And I learned, I, I, I figured out that I learned how to put on that show also. Mm. <laughs> so, and it, then holding people up to kind of that yes, same fake standard. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that was a huge circumstance. We ended up in 2008 in Leveland, Texas. And Leveland is level, <laughs> flat. All that's there is dirt and oil. Um, and, that's, and apparently a church. And, and, and there's a lot of churches, really. But we ended up serving at a church in Leveland. And uh, it was just, it started out just to be a time of healing, but it ended up for me being a time of just real personal growth. Like God just really showing me some things about myself and who he is. And that was probably the biggest season of personal growth for me before we, you know, came here to College Station. Amazing. Yeah. Which you came here in 2016, Mm -hmm. right? That's right. Man, I remember... Actually, in another room in the annex, mm-hmm. uh, sitting across the table from you, kind of when you came down to visit and having conversations with you and stuff. And I, it's funny because I was just really excited. We were talking to anyone about your position because I had been hired <laughs> to launch the college ministry here at Brazos Fellowship. And literally within six weeks, the guy who was in charge of 
small groups here at the church had decided that he was going to step away mm-hmm. and pursue some other things. And so Pastor Sean called me into his office, literally, we're spending the summer preparing to launch the college ministry. And he calls me in and he's like, hey, I know you really have a heart for community and for small groups. And so I just I just want you to oversee this. Like, it's basically ready to go and... I just need you to oversee this for like, you know, six months, whatever, to the end of the year, and then we'll figure something out. And then 18 months later, <laughs> enroll Sam Griffin, and I'm like, yes, Yay. we're hiring someone. <laughs> this is so good. So, yeah, that was a, that was a pivotal moment for me personally. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, awesome. <laughs> I think, so if you don't know, I get to work with Sam yes. in this, uh, at the church here. We work in the same department. He's technically my boss. So this is fun for me. (laughs) Um, No, but what we do is we get to work with people and our goal is to help them find community and help them establish relationships. And so the question is, you know, that's what we get to do every day. But who are the people that you had relationships with growing up that helped you in your walk of faith with God um, through those seasons? And like, who are those people today? Yeah, that's a great question. And even just getting ready, I was kind of thinking through that. I would say really there's two people that I would say are the most influential relationships that I've had over the course of my life. One of those is my granddad. Mm. Uh, And I'm going to throw my grandma in there also, Mima and Papa. Um, They were kind of the rock of our family. So you can imagine, you know, broken family and there's four kids with my mom, basically trying to start life over. And we ended up um, in Abilene, Texas, uh, just because that was close to where me, mom, and papa were. I spent so much time with them as a child and learned, really, I got to see them model what a loving, you know, marriage is like. I didn't get to see that um, growing up earlier. Um, My granddad loved my uh, me, mom, so well. Uh, so I got to see that. I got to see what it looks like to love the Lord every day, not just on Sunday. Mm. And I learned how to work hard. Like my grandpa was the hardest working guy you've ever known. And um, when I was with him, I was working. Mm. It wasn't just vacation time, right? Yeah. So I was working hard with him. And um, uh, I also learned how to play dominoes, which, you know, nice. I'm, I'm I love playing dominoes, still my favorite game. Um, But yeah, that was one of the most influential relationships for me growing up. I lost both my grandparents within the last 10 years, I guess. Um, But even even to the end, um, my grandma, Mima, she lost her eyesight as they were aged, got got older. And uh, Papa would read her Bible to her. He would put on her makeup for her because she was very concerned, you know, about how she looked. And um, he was just so sweet to her all the way up to the very end. And uh, just watching them grow old, it was really hard because all of a sudden these people who were the strongest people in my life Mm -hmm. now were some of the weakest people as kind of age, you know, took a hold of their life. But uh, so me, mom, papa, and then at Wayland in college, I actually met um, who to this day is my best friend. Um, and we, uh, we just hit it off for some reason. I don't really know why, but we hit it off for some reason. Uh, but Jacob has been my best friend and kind of, uh, uh, the, the one person who I would say has been, um, with me in every season, all the highs and all the lows of my life. Um, and, uh, we have never, I guess, since college lived in the same town, but we always make it a point to, to hang out when we can talk as often as we can. But Jacob's one of those guys that uh, a few years ago, somebody asked me to describe my relationship, you know, with him and our friendship. And the way I described it was this, there's nothing that I can do to impress Jacob. (laughs) And there's nothing that I can do to offend him. So good. And to have a friend where you don't have to feel like I've got to impress him and you don't feel like you're going to offend him. I mean, that's, that's pretty Mm -hmm. freeing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, those are the two most influential relationships, and there's some overlap there, but those two guys, Papa and Jacob, have really been a part of my life, my entire life. You've mentioned several lessons already when you think about um, how God has used Jacob and your me, and Papa mm-hmm. uh, in your life and, and other people in different circumstances and seasons. 
But when you start to, and it's so, it's just amazing to me, even going back to what you said at the very beginning about how even still you are recognizing like this is a work in progress and that there are things that a few weeks ago you're having a conversation with someone and God's like peeling back a layer and it's like, Hey, look at, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I was teaching you. Look at how you were growing. What are some of those lessons that you do hold on to? And you're Mm -hmm. like, man, this is a recurring theme or it's something that just keeps showing up or that God continues to reveal himself in this way Mm. based on your story. Yeah. Yeah. Again, two things. Um, one of those, I guess, would be more in the professional part of my life, mm-hmm. I guess. It, it, my, my career as a pastor. There was a book that came out, golly, early 2000s called Simple Church. I grew up in, um, in a church setting and really kind of even worked in church settings at the front end that they weren't bad. They were just – there was lots of stuff, like just so much stuff always going on. And I read this book and, and – for the first time, I realized this this sounds so refreshing. Yeah, I guess on the back end, you know, kind of behind the curtains, it's it, for me. It was just so nice to think about what if what if we just tried to point people to Jesus and didn't feel like we had to, you know, have a program for every yeah. you know everything in the world. And then I just try to incorporate that into my own life and live a simple life. And so that's that's one of the things that's really shaped me. The other before you jump yeah, yeah, away, for what, sure. like when you say you try to incorporate that into your life to live a simple life, what does that look like in a practical sense for you? Kind of thinking about and learning that lesson of man, what if we did strip it back to just the bare essentials? What actually matters in in the church context, like pointing people to Jesus and not focusing on all of the you know programs or bureaucracy or whatever else. When you apply that to your life, what does that look like to live a simple life? Mm. I'm still trying to figure that out, to be honest <laughs> yeah. with you, because um, you, you think you have it figured out at one point, and then all of a sudden you have kids, right? Mm, yeah. And then, and then you try to figure Nothing out- Nothing is simple. Not right, exactly. Um, and then just when you think, okay, we are kind of back to simple life, then all of a sudden your kids are doing sports, you know, four nights a week, or piano lessons, or you know, just whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have a teenager. And so I think it's a, it's a process of continually trying to figure out what that looks like. But honestly, I mean, so just real practically speaking, when when we had kids, we were like, you know, just one extracurricular at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna fill our schedule because we want to be able to sit at home and eat together. Yeah, just enjoy being together. Um, one of the things, even in the last few years, I've never been a good vacationer. I just don't like planning vacations. My wife doesn't like taking the time to plan vacations, and so. If we've ever vacationed, it's just been by accident, right? (laughs) Um, And so just within the last few years, try to learn, no, we've got to be intentional about, you know, blocking off this chunk of time and saying, no, we're breaking away from Mm -hmm. the day-to-day stuff just to, just to enjoy being together. And, and really that, that idea of just trying to be and stop doing stuff that really um, defines the second thing. Uh, that's been one of the most influential things I've learned. Uh, during my time in Leveland, I um, came across this teaching. I think you're familiar with it now because mm-hmm. you've been using this with 242, right? The gospel fluency yeah. idea. But um, Jeff Vanderstelt uh, uh, was the pastor of a church up in Tacoma, Washington. And I, I really kind of fell in love with what he was doing and actually almost went to kind of not intern, but you go for a couple of weeks and you're just kind of a part of a, what they're doing at their church and learning from them. I ended up not being able to go, but I watched all of the sessions online. If you've been around me at all, you've heard me talk about, you know, the four questions. Everybody's probably sick of me talking about the four questions, the <laughs> so four good questions, though. right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, what those questions have meant for me is um, my being is so much more important than my doing. Mm. And my being needs to be informed by who God is, God's being and God's doing. And, you know, as I, as I sit and process this, even kind of getting ready for today and just in conversations I have, you know, just on a daily basis, I've started to realize that all that success even that I had as a teenager and whatever I was doing, grades and track and, you know, whatever, all that success, that was me doing, right? And I, I lived for that. I loved it. And then... This is really stupid, but that uh, losing my finger that summer, 
it's like a lot of that was stripped away and I lost, you know, I lost some scholarship money and my mm. college plans changed. And all of a sudden, all the successful stuff I was doing just seemed to come to an end. Getting fired from a church, right? Like that's something I was doing. And all of a sudden it's like, that's who you're defining yourself by, Sam. I'm taking that away. Like you're not wow. going to do that right yeah. now. And kind of just putting all the circumstances, all these things I've learned, everything kind of together. I think what God's really been teaching me and is still teaching me is just be. Like that's the that's the thing I want from you more than anything else is just be who I've created you to be. Stop trying to do so much stuff. And I don't know that my motive in doing it was wrong. A lot of people, you know, talk about will we do stuff, uh, you know, trying to please God or earn God's favor. I don't feel like that was ever my motive. I think I was more trying to do stuff to prove to myself who I was, mm, yeah. right? Um, not to prove to God or anybody else, but to prove to myself. So wow. that's, been a, that's been a hard lesson to learn. It's so cool, though, because as you're sitting there talking, and then I think about how you defined your relationship with Jacob, and it's like, you can't impress him, right? So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you do. You can't impress him, and you also aren't going to offend him. And I think that it's really beautiful that God's given you a very physical, tangible relationship to help you see, like, hey, this is who I've called you to be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you that in a very earthly sense, but also in a spiritual sense in your relationship with God as well. So I think that's super cool. Yeah. Something I really appreciate about getting to work with Sam is typically anytime we start a new year or we start a new season of something in the ministry, he's very good about checking it where I'm at, like spiritually growing, what I'm doing, what new things am I learning, and the disciplines I'm implementing because he knows how important that is. And he is very open about sharing those things too, like what he's doing. Um, And so I'd love to hear like, what are your, what are the disciplines you do that you've done in the past as you've grown? What are you doing now? That's just helping continue on your story. Yeah. Again, I've had to redefine what spiritual disciplines, not what they are, but what they mean Mm -hmm. and how to approach those. Because for so many years, um, spiritual disciplines to me were those things that you do, right? Yeah. Right. And not, again, not trying to prove anything to God or to anybody else, but for me, almost trying to prove to myself, you do this. You can read the Bible mm-hmm. in a year. Look, yeah. at, look at what you can yeah. do, right? Um, look at you. You can, you can spend um, 30 minutes praying, right? And I don't know why 30 minutes. For whatever reason, <laughs> when I was in college, Whoa. I was like, I, went, I made a goal, actually, for myself. I want to be able to just pray without being distracted for 30 minutes, right? (laughs) Um, Just silly little things like that. But so spiritual disciplines for me and those private disciplines have become more a way to learn who God's created me to be and to really sit and be, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than to to have to do. And so I absolutely love, one of the most important parts of my day is just reading through the Bible. and anymore, if I miss a day, like I don't feel bad. Yeah. For a lot, for a, a long, long time, I actually had a uh, like this goal of reading through like chronologic. I love reading the Bible chronologically. That's what I'm doing right now. But reading through chronologically, I'm going to do it in a year. When I moved here, I learned um, that uh, Pastor Will was using a chronological Bible, and it took him, I think, just over four years. Yeah, I think that's what he said. Yeah, to read through it, and and in my mind, the, honestly, the first thing I said was. Is that, is that allowed? <laughs> right. I've never seen a four-year Bible, right? Right. right. <laughs> Doesn't roll off the tongue. Read I know, through the Bible in I know, four right? years. <laughs> but you know what? As I thought about it, I thought, oh my gosh, how refreshing to yeah. feel like mm-hmm. I, don't have a, I don't have a timeline here, right? Yeah. And so that's what I'm doing and just trying to kind of soak that in every day. Um, and uh, honestly... Try to, as I read through, try to just be, right? Mm-hmm. Try, to, try to see what the Scripture, what the Bible teaches me about who God is and what God's done and who I am, right? Instead of thinking, okay, I've got to do this to check it off my mm-hmm. list. So, um, yeah, reading the Bible has always been a super important discipline for me, but it's changed. Like, my motive for that has changed, I guess. My yeah. approach has changed. Um, other than that... Um, uh, giving, that's a, that's a, so hard, the mm-hmm. discipline of giving. Um, there's been seasons of our life where it's like, nah, we can't. <laughs> We've got yeah. nothing to give, right. right? Like, I would love to give. But really, like, even when we moved to College Station, we kind of recommitted ourselves to giving. And 
what we discovered was there were some months where it's like we should not be able to make the car payment mm-hmm. or pay mortgage or buy groceries, but every month it happened, right? And so just that uh, discipline of giving. Um, and what I've learned is it's more than just money, like just giving myself. Mm-hmm. So serving's always been super important to me. Um, I feel like you're no, you're never closer to Jesus than when you're serving, because that's what he did, right? Um, so I, those sound really churchy, really cliche. I totally get that. But for me, c- trying to kind of bust through that wall of those being the churchy type disciplines for me, those have been super important in this, you know, this process that I'm still going through of just trying to learn how to, to, to be and who I am, who, because that's who God says I am. Mm -hmm. So really to wrap things up, we ask this question a lot on this podcast, but it's this idea of, so what, when you take all of that, all of the, the lessons and the people and the things that God has taught you, the moments that he has brought you through, like, so what? That's great head knowledge. It sounds really good on a podcast, but how how does that begin to inform who you are and how you interact with the people around you? Yeah. I mean, Chris, like the so what moment for me would have to be kind of the realization. And I say realization. I mean, it is, it's something I have to remind myself of constantly, yeah. but that my identity is not connected to my accomplishments mm. or lack of accomplishments, yeah. you know? And in literally every circumstance, the, the ones I mentioned earlier, you know, every circumstance, it seems like as I look back, those circumstances were there as a way for God to either remind me of that, show me that, and at times even like remind me that I, my accomplishments aren't that great, mm. right? Yeah the people he's put into my life, the things he's been teaching me, the discipline, all this stuff, it comes to kind of, kind of this place where that, that's it. Like my identity is separate from my accomplishments, kind of that whole being and doing thing. And it's such a hard thing to, to accept, you know, Um, whether that's the world we live in or just the, just being a guy, I don't know what it is, you know, but we're always like, so, so tied into the things that we do and the things we accomplish, Absolutely. right? And I'm a task-oriented yeah. person, so that makes it even more so that way. As a dad, though, like I see this on the other side, which is just another incredible reminder just this past weekend. So my son is nine. He plays baseball. He loves baseball. Yeah. We're a baseball family. Absolutely. I mean, it's such an awesome connection that we have together. And he has had some incredible years um, statistically okay. with baseball. So this year he has entered his first year of kid pitch. It's a different game, right? For sure. And he's struggling at the plate, right? I have never watched him. And, you know, of course, as his parents, we've never watched him and said, oh, he's really struggling, right? <laughs> but it's just hard to see him get so frustrated. Yeah. And, and over the weekend, he wouldn't tell me this. Um, I found out through Stacy, but he was just at a point where he was like, I just, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Oh, wow. And he was talking about, you know, how he's used to getting hits every time he gets up to bat, right? Stacy asked him, hey, do you want to talk to dad about it? And he goes, no, I think dad's going to be disappointed. Mm. And so that was just one of those like gut punch moments, you know, you never want to hear that as a dad, right? And so, of course, I'm like, I got to talk to him about this because if he is, if he is tying like his identity to me, like as, as my son Mm -hmm. to his accomplishments Mm -hmm. in baseball, like we're missing something. Yeah. So really had to, you know, reassure him of that. Like, son, I am like excited for you when you get a hit and I'm frustrated for you when I see that frustration on your face, but nothing changes about the way I feel about you. I am proud of you. I am proud to be your dad. I love you. That's not going to change, yeah. right? With more hits or fewer hits or whatever. Um, and just having that conversation with him, again, was just one of those reminders of, okay, so as Hayes's father, here I am trying to just pour this into him, trying mm. to remind him of this. But yet I know at the next game, he's probably still going to be struggling with the same thing internally, right? right? Yeah. 
And so I'm going to have to remind them. And I did that, you know, before the game, remind them after the game. So good. And here I am, like, just as a knucklehead child of God. <laughs> and I don't believe that all the time, yeah. right? And yeah. so it's just kind of that, that reminder, you know, that I have to accept from God, like, you're my child. This is your identity. I am proud to be your father. Mm. I'm proud that you're my son. I love you. That's not going to change, yeah. right? And I feel that, and I feel that all the time. And Chris, I'll tell you, man, like that's the attack I get personally. <laughs> Even shared with you earlier today, um, like walked away and felt like, ah, oh, I should have done that better. I yeah. should have done that differently. Yeah. And just had that moment where it's like, man, I just, I just failed. Yeah. And it's just kind of over and over. It doesn't go away. But so the so what for me is just constantly reminding myself of that and trying to live with that and experience the peace and the freedom that comes with my identity. I am, you know, this, I've heard people say this before, I am who God says I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So my identity coming from God and not being connected to my accomplishments, the things that I do, whether they're successes or failures, they'll come and go. So that's that's the so what I think for me. So good, and and I think man that encapsulates so well why I love this podcast and why Amy and I do this because that truth that lesson it resonates with me. But even if today it doesn't resonate with me, it's still true, right? And you learning that and you opening up and sharing that then resonates with someone else and helps them see that helps Hayes see that. Right. And and you're going to have to have that conversation with him many more times just in y'all's relationship. And then he's going to come to a place. And you said this earlier, like your view of God as a loving father was impacted by your view of your earthly father as not a loving father. And so you opening up and having these conversations and sharing that part of life with Hayes and and developing that relationship is impacting how he's going to see God. And then when we begin to open up and we share those things, it impacts how the people around us see each other and see God and we build a relationship. And Sam, that's, that's rich. That's so good. Well, Sam, I can, speaking for myself, just in the last five years of getting to walk beside you and not only do ministry with you, but but really get to know you as a friend and have some meaningful conversations and process through and struggle through some things with you. Like it has been so amazing to see your consistency in this and your honesty. I think that's one of my favorite things about you is that at no point in the time that I've known you, have you ever tried to put on this facade or this front of like, hey, I do have it figured out. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, you can come to me because I'm the person that's supposed to be able to answer these questions. It's always just been like, if I don't know, I don't know, but I'm willing to at least engage in the conversation or like ha- the consideration or whatever else. And you just have always been so honest and transparent in those things, which I think is really encouraging to me as a dad with little kids and as a husband who is like one step behind where you are and you've been doing this longer, whatever to hear you say, it's okay. Like it's okay to be figuring it out. It's okay to still be in process is very encouraging and refreshing and freeing to me. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. And you're a big baseball fan. Huge. Which, yeah. Yeah. Huge baseball fan. I, I'm not going to talk about which university you prefer, but <laughs> you're a big professional baseball fan texas rangers that i can get on board with so yeah yeah one of these years it's gonna happen yeah yeah that's what they (laughs) say that's what they say i actually was listening to the radio earlier today and the guy was like okay over under 100 losses for the rangers and the guy was like over over (laughs) taking the over (laughs) opening day is always my favorite day because opening day for a texas rangers fan is always Really, the only day yeah. you can say, this could be our year. Yes. This could yeah. be it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, before we let you go, uh, we wanted to just have a little fun. You know, just keep it keep it uh, 100 around here on the Story oh. We're Sharing podcast. And so, Emmy is our resident fun expert. And so, oh I just gosh. kind of pitched things over to her for this segment. But, uh, I, you know, I think you're going to be okay. All I think, right. I think you're going to be okay. Let's do this. So we're going to do trivia. Okay. I feel like you're really wise. 
Is this like, are, are you smarter than a fifth grader type trivia? Honestly, it should be easier. Okay, easier than, like so are you smarter than a third grader? This, wow. I found this is like I daily I have a third trivia. grader. Okay, so. Okay, so, yeah. So this, this is, I pulled this from like a daily trivia thing. I've, I knew most of them pretty quick, and so I was like, oh, Sam, Sam's got this. So this should be. She's easy. setting you up. Hopefully yeah, she's setting me up for something. Yeah. No, it's going to be great. So <laughs> this is I'm, your boss. I'm Don't gonna, forget, this is your boss. <laughs> I will never forget. So I'm going to ask you the question, and I don't think I'll have to give you multiple choice, but if you want me to, if you're really stuck, then I will give you some options. Okay. 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 So here's the first one. Who painted the Mona Lisa? <laughs> wow. Uh, well, it has to be one of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guys, right? Yeah. Okay, so let me think. Let me think through the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's unless I'm wrong, but go ahead. Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci. That's it. Is that it? That's it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> There's also remember I have Donatello. a nine. I have a nine year old. I was trying to Donatello remember all and Raphael. their names because I was like, I okay. don't remember all of yeah. them, but I didn't watch Ninja Turtles, so so it was that. the blue Ninja Turtle, the blue one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Leonardo. That should have right. love it. Okay. <laughs> what vegetable gave Popeye the sailor his strength? Oh, that's spinach. That's easy. Easy. Okay. Hey, and listen, I'm glad you said Popeye. I've met way too many people that say pie pie. Honestly, I, I didn't think about it. I I so people pie say pie pie. Yeah. I've never Maybe heard that. Maybe because he has a yeah. pipe in his mouth. I don't get it. It's yeah, it's yeah. P O P. Yeah, exactly. Pop I. Popeye. Yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Well. Sorry. What city does Starbucks call home? Seattle. Got nice. it right. Where can you find the femur bone? Ooh, I know this because I actually broke my femur. What? Once. Yeah, the femur is between your knee and your hip, the top part of your leg. Okay. Side. How did you break your femur? Well, it was a stress fracture, and it happened running track in high school. Did so. someone like kick you that while you were running? Hardest, How do you break the your bone to break? Yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, my senior year, uh, just this random pain started. I actually ran my fastest 800 ever um, in the Border Olympics in Laredo, Texas um, on a broken femur. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so much more respect. Yeah. I already knew you were tough, but that's, so much, that's but next wow, level. Now that I yeah. know that you did that. Wow. Okay. How many sides does an octagon have? An octagon is eight sides. <laughs> You're nailing it. Five for five. All right. What's the name of the sassy cat from Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Oh, my gosh. Oh. I know this show, kind of. Okay. But I, I can't tell you. I have no Would idea. Would you like some options? Give me some options. You should get this. Okay. Merlin, Glinda, Salem, Corbin. Oh, man. Salem. Yes. Okay. That's right. Nice. Okay. What scale is used to measure earthquakes? Scale? Seismic scale. No. Rick, Richter. 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 Scale. Richter. Richter scale. You okay. got it. You got it. But it is seismic activity. Yes. Yes. With the Richter scale. The, the Richter scale measures seismic yes. activity. So, so you, were, you were working yeah. through it. Yeah. Got it. What was the name of Dorothy's dog in The Wizard of Oz? Um, Toto. Yeah, it's not Popeye. Ding, ding, ding. It's totally, yeah. <laughs> okay, the Great Barrier Reef is off the coast of which country? Is it Australia? It is. You're right. Okay. No, it, it is Australia, like confidence. It yeah. is Australia. It's Australia. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no questions here. Napoleon Bonaparte was a military leader and a politician in which country? I was really hoping this was shaping <laughs> no. up to be a Napoleon Dynamite no, question. I yeah. should have. Because I would have nailed that one. I bet. Vote for Pedro. France. Okay, good job. What is the chemical symbol for potassium? K. Wow, I'm impressed. Uh, you're Who nailing it, you? dude. Who are you? <laughs> Charlotte's Web tells the story of a spider who befriends what farm animal? A pig. Yeah. What? Oh, I love this one. What was the name of the Microsoft Assistant that was a paper clip on that notepad paper? What was his name? He would pop up to give you like a tip or if you needed help, it was this little paper clip with the eyes. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Oh, what man. What was his name? This was Siri before Siri. If you need options, let me know. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to give okay. me some options. So we have Smiley, Papery, Clip Clip, Clippy. 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 Yeah, Clippy. Yeah. Clippy, yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's a quote. Tell me what movie it's from. I'm going to make him an offer you can't refuse. I, I am no good at movie trivia. Would you like some options? Yeah. You're I'm disappointed, but okay. It's not Napoleon Dynamite. It's I not. Tell you that. It's also not. What is your movie? Dumb, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jerry Maguire, Gone with the Wind or The Godfather? 
I mean, it could be from any of those. I don't. I no. mean, could it? It's not Gone with the Wind. Jerry Maguire. <laughs> no. No, it's The Godfather. <laughs> it's not Gone with the Wind. No, Jerry Maguire is Show Me the Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show Me the Money. I, I do, do remember you that. Do watch yeah. movies? I mean, I do, but I don't get into movies. That's sad. I watch them and then I forget them. Except for Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> and right. Dumb and Dumber. Question, how do you spell the name of Reese's, like on the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? How do you spell that? Oh, that is, um, okay, R E. E S E S. So close. S E E S. We were looking for apostrophe S. Oh, <laughs> come on. Wow. Yeah, you got it right. I was listening to right. a podcast the other day and they were calling it Reese's, and that really threw See, me I off. I don't I don't get that. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Okay. I might say this wrong. Machu Picchu. Is that how you pronounce that? Okay. Ma- Machu Picchu. Yeah. Is located in what country? Uh Peru. Great that, job. It's on my bucket list. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool to see. I, I want to go hike it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see that. What herb is traditionally found on a margarita pizza? Basil? Yes. All right. Edgar Allan Poe famously wrote a poem that shared its name with what bird? That would be... It's a blackbird. Raven. Yes. Which Disney movie is the song You'll Be In My Heart from? (laughs) I also looked at Chris. (laughs) Chris was... (laughs) Did I mention that I... Come fell asleep on. at Disneyland. I'm not into Oh, uh, Well, this was just a daily trivia question. I was oh, like, who man. doesn't know? Which, okay, it's tell not... me the name of the movie again. I mean, the, <laughs> tell me the <laughs> no, name of the movie. <laughs> I will not do that. You'll be in my heart. This probably won't help you, but it's one of, besides like The Little Mermaid, it's my favorite Disney movie. But I don't feel like we've had this conversation, so you wouldn't know. Hmm, I usually know everybody I work with's favorite Disney movie. Yeah, I'm really surprised. Do you want options? Yeah, give me some options. Pinocchio, Hercules, The Jungle Book, Tarzan. Oh, those options are not helpful. Uh, Phil Collins. Is that uh, helpful? Well, I tried. No. That's all I have is hints. Um, I'm just going to have to completely guess, okay. and I'm going to say Hercules. No, it's Tarzan. Tarzan. Disappointed. Tarzan. Okay. I'm so but sorry. But that's fine. It's two all strikes. Right. Final question. What sort of electricity do you get when you have two balloons and they stick together? Static electricity. Yeah. Nice. I'm really impressed with you. Well, Sam, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming and sharing part of your story and and really just unpacking some things that God has been teaching you and is continuing to teach you. And I I know that it has been helpful for me to just even think through and process some of the things that you're saying. And so I'm sure that the listeners are going to feel the same. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Amy. I'll let you sign us out. It's your boss. Another one in the books. I know. What an honor. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Story Worth Sharing. Make sure and come back next week to hear from another one of our guests. Yeah, that's it. See you next time. Next time. Next time.